my mom gave me some really good advice and I was surprised that she was the one to give it to me but she was just like the next time that you date date somebody who was raised like you who has the same uh, who aligns with some of the, like the wants and, and needs that you have and don't make it all about the artificial things that society has taught you to want um, and so I was like hey I'll try that and uh, literally she probably told me that in November and I met him in January What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black, LGBTQIA individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm here today with a very special guest, Mr. Jay Penn. Jay, tell the people about yourself. What's up, y'all? My name is Jay Penn, obviously. Um, And I am a singer, songwriter, producer, scriptwriter, all things under the the umbrella of entertainment. I would like to say that I do. Dope, man, dope. We're going to get into all that, but you already know, before we get into that, it's the Queerly Black Show, so it wouldn't be right if we understand your queer story, man. We got to get to it. So talk (laughs) about the first time you encountered your sexuality. Uh, I was in kindergarten, and there was, this is going to sound so creepy because I'm I'm older now, but there was a a little boy that was in class with that I found attractive. And of course, at the time, I, I didn't really know how to define it as that, as being that. I just knew something was a little different about the way that I approached our friendship or, or what he, what he looked like from my POV. Um, and so that was kindergarten. And I noticed that that just kept happening between kindergarten, and like fourth grade, there were just like these guys in my class that of course I was friends with, but like I said, there was something bubbling under the surface a little bit more than just that. Um, and then probably by the age of 13, I was actually able to identify that, okay, I may be gay, but also because the environment that I grew up in was not conducive to being that, I kind of wrote it off as being a phase. Like, okay, this is just something I grew out of. Um, didn't really worry about it for real into high school when I finally acted on all the thoughts I had had through like kindergarten up until that point. Um, and the first time I ever had sex, I was 15 and it was with a guy. And at that point, you internally start freaking out because now like everything is like solidified and it's not like you can put it in a bucket of, oh, it's just a phase anymore. Um, and so dealing with all of that internally, and then somebody tried to out me in high school, uh, being 15 at the time, that was not great. Um, cause it came across my parents. And of course I had to talk them off the ledge and like, you know, re- reassure them that no, I'm straight and you know, there's nothing to really worry about. Um, and then there was silence in that area for another four years until I got to college, um, where I met like my first love. And I even kept him under wraps for like the first two to three years of college. And then 
I brought him around my family my junior year and there was a bunch of raised eyebrows, of course, because, you know, black folks be peeping. <laughs> um, and so um, after that, um, I graduated from college the next year and I, I remember coming home from graduation, been in the kitchen with my mom and we're just like catching up on things that she randomly throws out there. She's just like, you know, I haven't heard you mention a girlfriend in a while. And I was just like- <laughs> like, mom, really? <laughs> right. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, because I haven't had one. She's like, it's probably at least been since high school. I'm like, probably because that was the last time I had one. And she braces herself. And I'm like, I'm watching her as she's going through all these motions. And she braces herself. And then she finally goes, so what, you just don't like girls anymore? And I looked at her for a while. And I was like, I guess not. Hmm. Not ever really saying my never really liked girls. It was all like a a scheme that Todd set up, um, <laughs> right. but, but no, I was just like, you know, and once I said that, like, every, it's funny, everybody played the role that I expected them to play in my life once I finally came out. So my mom, of course, there was like the hysterical tears at first, and then she kind of like came to, and it became about protecting me more than anything. Uh, my dad, I really thought it would break our relationship because our relationship was not always the strongest in the first place. Um, and to some degree, it did break it, but now my dad just chooses not to talk about it at all as if it's like not a real thing but we still our relationship in some odd way has gotten better even though we don't talk about it I guess because we don't talk about it it'll say better um but that's compartmentalization there you go yeah. uh, my bro my brothers were extremely supportive they you know were kind of like you know this is not news to us kind of thing and we love you we support you kind of thing and Everybody else just kind of fell into place uh, at some point or another within the last 10 years. So that's my coming out story. Um, a lot more depth to it, but we'll just scratch the surface for now. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, yeah. Where are you from? Chicago. Nice. Oh, yeah. Chicago is a, 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 a nice, a lar large population of Black people <laughs> in yeah. Chicago, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> one of those places where men are like, they're stereotypical, like, roles and looks for genders yeah and when you kind of don't fit that that description outside of just being black because we know how our families you know view that most of the time but just being I mean Chicago is one of those places where you know you have uh, men who like you know you had the, the 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 you know Detroit right there with all the you know Ford and you know GM yep. and like you know men have a very specific uh, historically have a very specific look and feel and then you know um, so you know the LGBT community obviously uh, being um, looking very different <laughs> yeah. uh, faced with a lot of, a lot of different things um, did you see were there other like gay people when you were growing up that you saw or like uh, images that you remember people in your neighborhood or that you interacted with absolutely and they were all shunned by the community and I will never forget there was this dude that lived right up the street from my house and he was probably one of the first trans guys I well trans women I'm sorry trans women I ever saw in my life but of course at that time not only was that not a normalized thing the way that it is now everybody talked shit about him and he went by the name Peaches and that was the, like a whole oh, yeah. joke that ran through the block and um and he would wear handbags and wigs and things like that and he just wanted to live his life mm -hmm. and nobody could seem to let him do that with him what up it's your host ashley and i'm interrupting this podcast to ask are you following us 
Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. Parameters of block one through five kind of thing. And at the time, of course, because I'm ignorant to where the world is going, I, you know, you join in on the laugh so that you don't look as obvious in your own gayness. Yeah. Um, and so looking back on that and thinking about it, like I felt, I feel so bad for what he probably had to endure from everybody within the vicinity. Um, and then outside of him, of course, there were other gay guys within like my class, like elementary school on up. Um, and they usually fit like the more feminine mode. And so I always had a hard time really figuring out where I fit in on the spectrum of being gay. Cause yes, there are feminine parts to me, but for the most part, and I think I said the same thing to my mom when I came out to her, I'm just me. I just so happen to like dudes, like nothing about me has changed. I'm still the exact, the exact same person that you raised. And it's not even putting on a front. I just, I am who I am. And I don't feel like I fit into any one bucket of being a gay black man or a gay male in general. So that was really hard for me to like navigate my way through that. Like, where do I fit in on all of this? Yeah. Did you play sports and stuff like that? No, I was always a creative. Like I, anytime I played sports, it was just to force that narrative a little bit yeah. more. Um, now I was good at track; like I could run for sure. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But even that became boring after a while. It just did not fulfill me the way they created creative endeavors did. Nice. So when did you start uh, being creative? Um, was that like something you you did from really young, elementary? Yeah, basically, like before I did all the things I do now, like I remember painting was something that I truly loved to do, regardless if I was good at it or not, like it just brought me joy. Um, And then I think I wrote my first song at the age of 10. Uh, And because I've always been obsessed with music, like music has always like literally been my lifeline. Um, And so I would listen to all the greats of the 90s, of course, and then I would take take my time and like dissecting their lyrics and picking apart the pieces that I loved and and then trying to create my own lyrics around what they've done. And then I just kept going from there. And um, I re- released my first EP when I was 21. Um, and then I moved to LA at 26. And when I moved out here is when I realized that I was good at more than just writing songs. And so I started, you know, trying to write scripts and that turned into me creating two web series. And, you know, it, it, everything in my life led up to where I am now yeah no that's dope that's awesome yeah Yeah, no I'm in LA too um for you was was your art ever associated with your sexuality in terms of how people identified you so like feeling like oh you know he paints or he does all these things that are not basketball yeah of course, um, growing and up. How are you able to just like you know, as you answer that, like, how how did how do you, how did you continue to just push forward in something you loved, even though when you're growing up, being gay has this negative connotation, but this is something you love, and how did you just kind of you know reconcile that for yourself as you got older? Yeah, I um, so no, for me, I never associated my creativity with my gayness. To me, it always felt like two separate entities. But yes. Um, growing up in a city like Chicago, um, there were not many other boys I could look at within like my my class and be like, oh, I can identify with him, or he reminds me of me, or he has the creative like flair like I do. Um, and so anytime they saw me put that on display, it was like, of course, of course, of course, jokes 
like ensued shortly after that. Um, but surprisingly, I never let that stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Like I remember being in fourth grade, getting like becoming a part of the talent show and getting up on stage in front of like the entire student body and singing a Drew Hill song. And of course, shit talking happened after that, but I didn't care. Like my creativity has always like been a huge part of my identity. And there was the one thing that I could hold on to and say, yeah, that's who I am. And I do that very well. Like, I felt like I never did sports well. I never was like the ideal student. I put off C's and B's at best, but my creativity and like the talent that I always felt like I had in me was the one thing I could cling to and say, oh yeah, I can rock that shit. Like a hundred percent, I will score all the time. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's dope, yeah. man. That's, 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 that's super dope. So now you live in LA. Yeah. um from Chicago from one expensive city to another but talk <laughs> about you um moving from Chicago to LA as a creative and um mm. how you navigated that uh journey because obviously you know a lot of people are able to come here but not able to stay here because of you know it's a very different place number one it's very yeah. expensive it's very big it's very you can get sucked in a million different ways uh just depending on how you know focused you are when you get here but talk about your process of moving from Chicago to LA yeah I love Chicago because I started to feel like I was falling into this rut of get up go to work pretend like I give a shit about work while also trying to like chase other dreams but there was no real, real sense of community amongst the creatives in Chicago um, and that always affected me because it's like, I want to do all these great things. And I don't want to do them alone. So like, where do you go? Um, and so LA was never even on my radar. Like I would have said New York was on my radar before LA ever was. Um, and then I just started seeing, I think after I graduated from college, it started that rise of like the influencer. And so I graduated from college in 2012. And so YouTube was popping then. You got to see all these people who were like starting to build that influencer, uh, persona that we now know as being an influencer um and a lot of those people were in LA and that inspired me I'm just like okay so it seems like all the creatives flocked to LA so I tried for three years in a row to get a job in LA so that I could just at least secure a bag and not be out in LA broke because that was never an option for me like to come out here and sleep in cars and couch surf and no shade to anybody who who does it just was not the journey that I wanted to take yeah. um and so I finally got a job I moved out here and it was a complete culture shock um even though there is a huge sense of community amongst the creatives out here it's such a slaughterhouse like everybody's stepping over each other to get to one thing and then you got the people who claim they do things but don't really want to do the work when it comes time to do it um and so you really got to you got to find your like your your tribe number one people that you can trust and people who are reliable and all those things and so you just got to like I had to like get through the weeds of it all for like the first three to four years and I hated LA like I hated it so much because I was struggling even though I had a job um I was staying in apartments that I would never have stayed in before like real like real rundowns kind of shit um when I did my first web series out here I literally had to scrounge up money from everywhere just to make it happen. I still, to this day, I don't know how I was able to pull that together and make it work, but it came together and yeah, it was just like a struggle train for like the first three to four years. And then 
what was I that found, process? Because you, I mean, I met, imagine a web series, you got to find people, you need like videographers, you need light, I don't know, you know, what, what all yeah. the elements, but like what, what that first project in a new city, like what were some of the steps that you had to take in terms of like networking and, and, and finding people to help you? And then how did you know, like cost-wise, like how much it was going to cost and like all of that? So the process probably started with me just being in the right places at the right time. Um, I moved out here not knowing anybody. Um, and then I started doing, like with the first few years I was out here, I did like the, these like little meetup groups with other creatives and going to like mixers and things like that. And one of my best friends to this day in LA, I met through a mixer. Um, that it was, I think it was called More Juice. Um, and so meeting people there and then hearing those people talk about their journey and their and talking about how they did their first production or their first whatever the case may be and hearing them say little tidbits like, oh, I used X, Y, and Z to cast my, my people, then I will go and check it out and I will start trying to do, do that as well. So it like moving out to LA, if you are a transplant, a transplant from anywhere, the key to like getting everything out of the experience that you want is being open to go into these things like and being communicative with other people like if you are not a verbal person somebody who really is like uh what's the word i'm looking for extrovert. there you go if you are an introvert you have to flip that real quick coming out here because you thrive on being an extrovert and meeting other people and like picking people's brains for things and not being scared to ask for favors or advice like so that took that was a process for me because i've always been an introvert and so i had to I had to establish a new sense of me um, and tap into a side of me that I never really wanted to tap into. Like I had always had like really, a really secluded amount of friends and I like prided myself in that and I still do, but there's nothing wrong with being vocal about what you want, what you're doing, what your goals and aspirations are. Just be careful with who you share it with. Yeah. 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 Um, did you always know that you really, you wanted to just create or, um did you also want to act like in terms of like you know uh I knew I always wanted to be, dream. right I think I always knew I wanted to be a singer more than anything um and like I said the possibility of me being an actor in a script a screenwriter didn't even come into play until I moved here and I I took a stab at writing my first script after getting fired from a job at a production company. I was working uh, as a media planner for a major production company out here. I'm gonna keep it cute and I'll say the name. Mm -hmm. um, and I got fired and I was just like writing down, I caught myself writing down notes to kind of like get my feelings out about the experience, like everything I went through during my time there. And um, I think one of my friends was like, these notes are interesting. You should try like writing an episode just based on these notes in general. And I'm like, mm, that sounds time consuming. Um, and then one day I just tried it and I created all these characters that were based off characters that I worked with and these scenarios that were very similar to what I'd experienced. And I let somebody read it and they were just like, yo, this is dope as fuck, you need to keep going. And so I created six episodes for the first season of my web series. And the web series is called MAD and it's an acronym for more appreciation deserved. Um, and it basically, uh, documents my entire time at this production company as one of two black people in the marketing department um, and what that looked like for me um, and I will never forget one of my first experiences being there uh, my first day at that company they sent me to a screening for birth of a nation um, 
And I was just like, out of all the movies on the slate, why y'all sending me to see this? And it's not even a movie that I'm, I'm like planning media for. So what's the whole point? And they were just like, oh, well, you know, we just want your POV on it. And I'm like, you want POV as what? As a black man or as just like a moviegoer? Well, you know, it is, it's a, a particular kind of movie and we want to see like kind of how you mm. feel about it. And I'm just like, okay. And it was it was that kind of shit that just kept like spiraling as I got as I spent more time there. What up? It's your host, Ashley, and I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms. Queerly Black. I'm gonna let y'all get back to the show. Peace. And so, yeah. Interesting. That, that's that's how I stumbled upon my first script. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that I, you know, but those are those those make the best experiences. Just like you know, you you write music too, you create music, so you know, like people write the best music out of tragedy. Um, nice. You don't want you don't want the artist to keep going through that, but you want the music. So it's like, well, uh, I think you're a you're sacrificial saying. lamb here. <laughs> I, facts. I've I've you legit know? fallen out with people over including them in my artistry in some way or another, and never. I'm never the kind of person that's like gonna blatantly call you out, like name, address, number type shit. But like, you know a situation when you hear it. And I will never forget like an ex of mine I wrote into the web series and we fell out hard. And I, my whole thing was like, yes, I used our story within this, but also you didn't seem to mind putting me through the shit when you were putting me through it. But now right. it's a problem because everybody else gets to kind of like see it on display. Cause a hit um, dog a holler. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well let's talk about dating so you've been in LA for a couple of years um yeah. you're in a relationship I am yes um how long it's been three years nice so since LA no well, I've been in LA for six years at this point yeah. um and so I met my current partner in 2019 like right nice. before the pandemic oh nice yeah Nice. So how, before your relationship now, um, mm -hmm. one thing I, I like to talk about is, is, I mean, I've been in a relationship for a really, really long time, but um, a lot of people are curious about like dating in big cities. Yeah. And so, um, you know, LA, New York, those are probably the two biggest ones um, that, that come to my Chicago is also a really big place. But um, how was dating in LA when you first came here? Oh, trash, <laughs> trash. That's actually, so I'm, <laughs> I'm in development for a series that I just recently wrote called Love and Us. And this now documents like not only my love story in LA, but all of my like guy friends and all the shit that we've like talked about as a collective um, and just the trash ass experiences that we've had. And so, yeah, you end up, you meet a bunch of different types of personalities. Like you meet the guy who doesn't really know that he's a fuckboy, but has all the fuckboy personality traits. And um, then you meet the guy who is blatant about being a fuckboy and wants you to be on board with him being a fuckboy. Um, then you meet the people who don't even really know what they want and on any end of the spectrum. And so you just, you come across all so many different types of personalities and most will not align with what you want and who you are. Um, but right before I met my current boyfriend, um, my mom gave me some really, good advice and I was surprised that she was the one to give it to me but she was just like the next time that you date date somebody who was raised like you who has the same uh who aligns with some of the, like the wants and, and needs that you have and don't make it all about 
the artificial things that society has taught you to want. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll try that. And uh, literally, she probably told me that in November and I met him in January. Um, I just opened my mind up and I stopped being so selective about what I wanted. Um, and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna try something new. I'm gonna I'm go into this and look for somebody that I can identify myself within. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's dope. That's good advice. So I think, um, you know, people need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. How uh, to uh, go back real quick about your um, artistry. So mm -hmm. your music, mm -hmm. you are one half of a group. I am. Um, so aside from that, I have my own like solo stuff that I do and that's all under the name of J-Pen. Um, and then recently me and my best friend who I've been friends with since I was 18, um, he just so happened to move out here like two years after I moved out here and we have been trying to like put together a project since we were 18 and it just never seemed to come to fruition. Like we were either too immature or we didn't really know what we wanted to sound like. Um, we just let a lot of roadblocks get in the way. And so within the last two years, we decided to finally like sit down and try it again. And we ended up coming up with a seven track EP called Anyone Who's Ever Loved. Um, and it really just, it's a really good storytelling of like the, the ups and downs of relationships and like love in general. And so I think that's why we ended up naming it Anyone's, Anyone Who's Ever Loved because literally anybody who's ever been in love can relate to the subject matter on the project. And so it, I think the project starts with like the end of a heartbreak and then that flows into like the joys of rediscovering yourself and the self-love of it all. And then finding somebody and applying all those new things you found out about yourself to that relationship. Um, so it's just like a journey of love. Dope, dope. Um, and I forgot to say the name of the group is Royal Blue. Royal Blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's dope i love it man i love it i got two more questions for you so one okay you like music you're a mute you're an artist so i have that find out what is your theme song for your life so if you had a theme song for your life what would it be i would have to say uh fantasia if i were a bird and i say that because like the song is just beautiful like let's start there <laughs> um but the story of the song is just like if I could just fly away from all the things that that keep me down and burden me and make me feel lower than where I should be in my life, I would fly away from all those things and I would just prosper. And I feel like a lot of times in my life, I've, I've struggled with like confidence and uh, what people are saying or what other people are doing, just being worried about all these things and I think I'm now at the point where like I can fly above all of that. And so that song, I don't know, when it came out, it really resonated with me and I felt everything that she said. So I, I feel like that would be the thing in my life. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel it, I feel it. Um, and your last, my last final question is, if you had advice for someone who's going through their own queer journey, what would it be? Put you first. Like everybody's gonna have something to say for better or worse. Um, but nobody's opinion of you matters more than you. And so you gotta, you gotta move, move forward through all things in life with care and concern for yourself. Like, how do you feel about who you are? I think that's the most important thing is people will try to make you feel like shit for just being who you truly are. 
And so I would just say, put you first and uh, everybody else will either follow or fall the fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there it is. Drop the mic <laughs> on that. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at DJ Pin. Um, and all of my music is on streaming platforms under J Pin and or Royal Blue. And Royal Blue is spelled R-Y-L period B-L-U. Got it. B-L-U. Got it. All yep. right. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you Love for having story. me. We in LA together, so we definitely got to link up. Absolutely. Y'all already know it's another episode of the Quirly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll catch y'all on the next one.